introduce an SN Snapshots, a new photography business started up by SND Podcast co-host Steven. Make sure to follow him on all of social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching SN Snapshots. That's shots with a Z. He can also be reached very easily through his website snsnapshots.com. So if you need a photographer for any sort of event and or project, contact SN Snapshots now. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this edition of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, I am Jay, bringing you all the hits and misses when it comes to professional wrestling. Um, this is a very special episode. This is episode number 48. I'm just reiterating that. <laughs> now, the reason I'm doing this little um, intro, besides the regular intro I had for the show before, is because I kind of flubbed a little bit. <laughs> I kind of messed up. And uh, throughout the show, I kept saying how this was episode 49, when in fact, this was episode 48. <laughs> Nevertheless, it was a great show. I had Dan Behan of the S&D Podcast, co-host of the S&D Podcast on with me, and we got into the career of The Undertaker. We, uh, Similar to the Owen Hart episode, we get into our favorite memories of the phenom of the past 30 years, had a marvelous crazy 30-year career. We go about an hour and change, and we talk about our memories, favorite matches, feuds, rivalries, um, stories, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's an action-packed, jam-packed show, and uh, I was very happy to do it. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. Once again, this is episode 48 <laughs> of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. Um, it will be, I am in, currently editing at the moment. And uh, once it is done and out there, I will be in the process of recording episode 49 um, and lead up to that very elusive, <laughs> especially with this episode, considering I was thought I was much closer. But episode 50 should be a big one. Um, I'm probably going to have a few guests on there um, to celebrate and, and uh, you know, just have a good time man. just have fun. I've been doing this for a while. Um, and, uh, once again, episode 48 was very fun. And, uh, I also have plans for what I'm going to do for episode three of my horror show. Now I know I mentioned on episode 250 of the S and D podcast that I was going to talk about a specific movie. However, things have come up and things have changed. My dad who got me into was the man responsible for getting me into most of the stuff that I like. From a child to this day, he got me into horror. He got me into pro wrestling. He got me into a lot of things, sports. Um, he actually wants to do a show with me. So I've done the first two horror shows with my wife. <laughs> and it looks like my third horror show, I'm going to do one with my dad. So I'm going to record with him some point over the weekend. Today is Friday, so I'll probably record with him either Saturday or Sunday. And I will get episode three of Nightmares on J Street out to you hopefully very, very soon. Um, so once again, this was episode 48. Hope you guys enjoy. 
SD Podcast channel. Every podcast outlet you can think of, you can find the shows. Um, great shows throughout the whole channel. Um, if you're into sports, this is the place for you. <laughs> um, my website, johnnypodcaster.com, is on the way. I already have the logo, which you can see on all my social media accounts. Um, my man, Eddie Ortiz, got to shout you out, brother. He's hooking me up. He's getting the website done for me. And once again, like I said on the s Podcast episode, once that is ready, you guys will be the first to know. <laughs> so once again, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Catch you next time. Everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. So without further ado, I will introduce to you now my mystery partner, led to the ring by his manager, Brother Love, weighing in at 320 pounds from Death Valley. I give you The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker, the mystery partner is now revealed. I never heard of him. Oh, take oh, a look. Cow. Look at the size of that. Check out them drumsticks, baby. 320 pounds, looks to be 6'9", 6'10", somewhere in that neighborhood, Rod. 6'10", I don't know, it's hard to tell from here. up everybody and welcome to this edition of the jay's weekend wrestling podcast this is episode number 49 i believe <laughs> little by little getting to that elusive episode 50 but we're getting there and um i just want to say this is going to be a special show for the mere fact that you know after a 30-year career one of the great if not the greatest in terms of wwe and for me and i'll get into that in the show but uh Quite frankly, probably one of the greatest WWE creations uh, finally decided to call it a career after 30 years, like I said, and uh, it is The Undertaker. And um, this is something that I thought probably would have happened a few years back. But, you know, with the Last Ride documentary in the books, which was a great one, and just like I promised in the last show, my special co-host is on the line with me right now. We did the Owen Hart special a couple weeks back, which was a great show. And this one I feel is going to be up there as well. Uh, Dan Behan is joining me as of right now. Dan, what is up, brother? How you doing? Welcome back. No problem. Thanks for having me on again. It's, it's a wild 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, for well, like we all know you're, you're a crazy wrestling historian. And I am to the, uh, not to the extent of you. Like, I would go search back before the rest of uh, WWE Network. I wouldn't really search it out like you did. Yeah. But, like, being able to go back into the WWE Network and watching some of his older stuff and the stuff I knew growing up as, it's just been a wild ride with The Undertaker. We, we'll get late, into his later part of his career later on because I don't really want to shit on him like <laughs> I did all these last couple of years. But um, thank you, Taker, first. First and foremost, with uh, everything, yeah. our childhood is basically over wrestling wise. So, thanks to uh, take on that, dude. He's 
he's the last of the Mohicans in terms of someone who's been around since the cartoony era of WWE back in the early nineties. Yeah. Like who is, if you look at the roster when he debuted, like I played in the, in the intro promo um, back in 1990 at the survivor series, none of those guys are around now at all. I mean, none of them. Yeah. You know I mean, let, let, for that match in particular, it was, if I remember correctly, uh, a team million dollar man, against Team Dusty Rhodes, okay? Uh, put mm-hmm. that in perspective. He's in the same ring with Dusty Rhodes, okay? So it's Taker, Ted DiBiase, and I want to say probably the Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine or something like that. I don't remember the exact team. But um, it was them against Dusty Rhodes, the Hart Foundation, Coco Beware, and The Undertaker walks in and just kills everybody, literally. Like, he just dominates the whole match um, for, for Team Million Dollar Man. And the thing is... It, it, it's insane to think that he debuts in 1990 in WWE because he wrestled in other places before WWE uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And in 2020, calling it a career, it's like, wow, the longevity of that one character. Uh, and sure, there's been other incarnations, American Badass, Ministry of Darkness. Um, there's been different levels to the character, but for the fact that this one dude, Mark Calloway, made it this far is, is unprecedented for sure. No, for sure. It's, it's crazy now, nowadays with social media and wrestlers being themselves on social media and being, being quote unquote, the undertaker until basically his final match with AJ Styles is just, quite simply a crazy thing that oh not it doesn't happen in wrestling anymore. like like the biggest example the two biggest examples recently that come to mind is uh mandy rhodes and uh crap i'm drawing a blank right now what's her what's her old partner well you said mandy yeah mandy rhodes uh, and what's the other sonia sonia yeah they they're still best of friends outside of wrestling. They have their own donut show and everything <laughs> like that. And then they go to SmackDown and they're playing a show. Yeah. And the other was Lana and Rusev before Rusev got fired. Yeah. They're, they're still married, but they got divorced on TV and they had a feud on TV and everything like that. So, like, wrestling, wrestling fans are not getting necessarily smarter, but the outlook on certain things that you're not going to be able to hide from wrestling fans anymore. Oh yeah. The, the internet especially, killed, killed kayfabe a long time ago. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it was so amazing that the undertaker up until like a year ago was still crushing kayfabe. Yeah. Like you, you never it was saw weird, him at a like, hall of fame. You never saw him at, you know, it, it was very rare. Like when he was doing the American badass gimmick was probably the only time You've seen him outside of WWE actually doing stuff. He'll go to biker conventions. That's the only time he was able to be out because he wasn't quote unquote an undead zombie. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, and the other thing, I uh, the other thing was weird. Was it last year or two years ago? He was on COD Game Day. Oh yeah, um, yep, that's right. The Texas <laughs> that's, game. That was the weird. That was the weirdest thing. I'm like, oh, sh- oh crap, Undertaker is something really. Like he's breaking kayfabe to a to extent of going on college game day. Yeah, because he's a big Longhorns fan. It was yep. at Texas that day. I actually was watching it. I was like, "Oh crap, Undertaker! All right, cool. <laughs> wow, 
like, wow, some, he, he's uh, not being the Undertaker right now. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And and with, with this particular episode, just to give some sort of, uh, you know, insight of, of why I'm talking about one specific thing, because I know right now in the wrestling business, a lot of crazy things are going down. You know, uh, there's a, a a big movement happening with, with female wrestlers, you know, against sexual harassment and, and big ups to you females for coming out and speaking out. But I'm not going to get into all the negative. You know, COVID-19 is pretty much taking over WWE at the moment. <laughs> so there's a threat. Yeah. Of maybe that shutting down. There's a threat of AEW shutting down. There's, the wrestling business is kind of in turmoil at the moment. But I want to be that one show that diverts from that and talk about a positive, which is the undertaker, the under, you know, the, the series ended, he called it a, a, a quits. He's retiring and that's a big deal. So I, if I'm going to be the distraction, I'll take that burden and I'll be that distraction. <laughs> so this, for sure, for this, sure. this episode is going to be all about the undertaker. Um, I'll do another separate episode over the weekend talking all the up to date NXT, you know, raw SmackDown, AEW, all that stuff. But this is solely, about Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker. So, you know, just right off the bat, uh, Dan, your first memories of the Phenom. All right. I'm going to make fun of myself, and you're, you're going you're gonna to make fun of me. Um, let's see. Let's see. So, I know I've gotten into the story why I got into wrestling. It was a combination of my grandfather, for whatever reason, an Italian immigrant coming off the... Uh, the uh, quote-unquote off the boat per se um for every reason loved wrestling and we would always watch it and he loved razor ramon thinking razor ramon was italian uh that was my one of my all-time favorite things ever <laughs> so i <laughs> that's why razor ramon's one of my all-time favorite characters because my grandpa thought he was he was an Italian, not a Cuban. So <laughs> the that's Cuban one of my all-time ramon <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he always loved Razor Ramon. So, uh, but we would watch Raw. He, we would watch um, Superstars. And, and my cousins would come over whenever they possibly can from Brooklyn and hang out and watch wrestling. Um, and I must have caught a Raw. I don't remember who he fought. I don't remember what happened. But the dude gave me nightmares because I saw him putting a person in a body bag. Yep. Uh, and that scared the living shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, that was my first, holy crap, that's The Undertaker. And then I forgot which SummerSlam. There was a SummerSlam. He had a casket match. Maybe King Maple. It could have been. I, he, had I don't, a, he had a couple it, because there was one SummerSlam where he had a casket match in 92 against Kamala. But no, I, that's, I, I, that's I don't think you're going, I'm talking think you're about going like that 95, far. Yeah. 95. It could have been ninety-five, ninety-six. It could have been King Mabel. It could have been King Mabel. Yeah. That, that that's definitely ringing a bell. Yeah. King Mabel, and I had to go into the other room because I was scared shitless of a casket <laughs> match. So that was the only match that I didn't see because Taker actually scared the crap out of me until I finally realized it's wrestling and it's it's fun. And then I grew to love the Undertaker. So the Undertaker for a good good couple months to a year scared the crap out of me, but. I got over it as uh, I realized it's 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 for fun and it's it's cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, those are those are my first moments of the Undertaker, and then all the video games, all the Sega games, and 
the arcade game was one of my favorite games, even though it didn't really get a lot of love back then. Yeah. You remember the arcade game? Oh, yeah. I I, I got them in my man cave at the moment. <laughs> I got all the, <laughs> yeah, old, makes... the old arcade games. The, the, the one that has eluded me is, uh, and it's going to be really expensive if I decide to get it. Uh, it's an actual, like the actual arcade machine for uh, WrestleFest. That, that, that thing okay. was probably one of the best. Yeah, and still to this day, it has a serious cult following of just being a dope wrestling game. You know what I mean? Um, and that's yeah. And that was pre Undertaker. That came out probably like maybe a year before. But um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I got WrestleMania the arcade game with him with the purple gloves and all that stuff. And it was yeah. it was more like a street fighting Mortal Kombat style of game. And uh, it was it was cool, man. I, and I got a bunch of the old wrestling games, bro, over here. Saying yeah, Russell, uh, Royal Rumble was one of the first. Royal ones Rumble, yep. Raw is War. Uh, a yep. whole bunch of them in your house. There was, there was a bunch of them old arcade yeah. style. It was button mashing, you know, gave me blisters and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my, my memories of Taker in the beginning, I actually saw as a kid that debut. Now, you got to think, I was born in 86, so in 90, I was four or five years old. Um, yeah, I was t- t- just turned four. So, Honestly, seeing it live, I don't remember, but it was recorded on video cassette, and I had it growing up. So I would watch all the old video cassettes and all that stuff, and I remember seeing his debut. The funny thing is, and uh, and unless you really look for it, and a lot of people probably don't remember this, his original name wasn't just The Undertaker. His original name was Kane The Undertaker, which is pretty interesting, because obviously Glenn mm-hmm. Jacobs, who became Kane later on, became an integral part of The Undertaker's middle-to-late career. Um, but he debuted as Kane The Undertaker, had one house show match, and then when he came out in Survivor Series, he was literally just The Undertaker. So that would have been interesting if he kept that name. I don't know if it would have stuck for 30 years, but the same way when they uh, called Mankind Mason the Mutilator before he debuted and then just decided on <laughs> Man- just decided on mankind because Mason the Mutilator probably was a career killer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And and being little like that, I only thought WWE guys were just WWE guys. I didn't think they wrestled anywhere else. It didn't click in my brain until I got older and understand the business that people have to start somewhere that you don't just end up on WWE television. So right. as I got older, I came across old WCW. Uh, uh, shows and pay-per-views and i see a tag team called the skyscrapers and it was sid vicious sid justice whatever you want to call him with mean mark callus who had a very similar resemblance to the undertaker so i looked it up and i was like hmm okay yeah this is this is mark calloway this is (laughs) he started you know before wwe he was in wcw as mean mark callus he has I believe he has a match against Sting somewhere. I believe that everyone wants to see. But if you want to see them very young have a match, you could probably find it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was managed by Teddy Long. Play a play a holla holla. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so if anybody, and it's on the WWE Network, you can find these matches of Mean Mark in WCW. He also uh, started in Texas back in the day as Texas Red and The Punisher. All before he ended up becoming... The Undertaker. And the funny thing is, The Godfather, who was later on in the Nation of Domination and all that stuff, and before that, he was Papa Shango. But uh-huh. before that, 
he was on the independent scene as the soul taker. And that was before the undertaker was around. So, and they were good friends. So hope who, who's to say that a uh, WWE didn't take the soul taker gimmick and give that to the undertaker. Who knows? But you know, Mark Calloway took it, ran with it and became a legend over it. Um, so yeah, my technically my first memory of the undertaker was one of his WrestleMania matches. Uh, it was WrestleMania eight and I have a list of the, all the matches from the streak. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, uh, I remember a match of his in WrestleMania eight back in 92 against Jake, the snake Roberts. That was one of my first matches of seeing the undertaker. And at the time undertaker was kind of a tweener. He was a bad guy for a while, but he was leaning toward being a baby face. And Jake, the snake Roberts was a pure heel at this point. Um, and Jake gave him a good match. You know, he he almost beat him, hit him with the DDT, and, you know, it didn't pin him. Taker got up zombie-like style because back then he was impervious to pain. He was like a Frankenstein monster back then. You couldn't do, yeah. any, you couldn't do anything to The Undertaker. He, if, it, if that was a video game, his rating would have been like 110 back then. <laughs> For sure. But um, he got he got the win over Jake, and from then on, I was like, wow. I was never feel fearful of the Undertaker character as a child. I was always that type. I was very desensitized at a young age, so <laughs> I'm not weird. <laughs> but um, oh no, no, yeah, no, I, 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 I admit it. I'm, 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 I was a big wimp growing up. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, dude. Uh, that was my first memory of Taker, and like you said, we've gone on this 30 year journey. We're all adults still seeing the undertaker from time to time on our screen, which could be frustrating, but it's exciting at the same time. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Um, we'll get into it later, but it really is one of those things like, yeah, every year I, every year, every WrestleMania, I'll yes. shit on the idea that taker is wrestling. It's <laughs> been a five year, it's been a five year text chain with me and Jay. Like, why? Why are we doing this? Why? 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 And, like, now it's, like, it's officially over that we think. Because we, we all we know if, yes. Vince, if Vince goes take, you know, I'm not doing my Vince because it's not on point today. But Help me out there, pal. Listen to me, damn it. I'm going to make you wrestle. Like, yeah, he's, like. He always finds a way. Vince calls taker. If Vince calls taker, listen. We need you to wrestle at WrestleMania next year. Taker, if you saw last ride, you know he's going to fight again. Yeah. Just hopefully he doesn't have to go to Saudi Arabia oh. or any place else because he always has <laughs> the shittiest matches there. That and it was always be, like, oh, my God, why? That, that seems to be his, like, his black cat, bro, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> The uh, like they said in the documentary, and we and we could go back and forth because that you know that's what I do. Um, he he had mentioned you know the match, the tag match with DX against the Brothers of Destruction, which was a terrible match because Triple H got injured almost right away. Then oh yeah, then I, I don't know what happened, but uh, Shawn Michaels, who hadn't been in the ring in about forever, had to carry the match, and he was all winded and hurt. And it, it had to be Sean and Kane to, to carry the match. And it just was a cluster. You know, it was bad. It was so bad. Oh, yeah. And then you fast forward oh, to yeah. him and Goldberg. And it was just like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I don't know if those two. Uh, yeah, Goldberg healthy. almost killed him. Yeah. Goldberg almost. That was bad. Goldberg got concussed. And then he was out of it. And it was like, now, when that happened originally, 
I didn't 100% blame Goldberg for for one major reason. And we'll get into the streak mm-hmm. ending a little later when we talk about the list. But when Undertaker wrestled Brock, now Taker got concussed about halfway into that match, and he was pretty much done. He had nothing to give Brock, and Brock had to carry the match. With Brock at this stage in his career shouldn't be carrying anything in terms of uh, uh, quality of a match. Brock should be the destroyer who throws everybody around, which is why Brock has better matches with small guys than he does big guys because he can throw them around. They could bump for him and flip and do all sorts of craziness. But Taker got hurt midway through that match and Taker had nothing no more. And Brock was just yep. trying to throw him and he looked like a floppy <laughs> fish. You know what I mean? So that, that made that match bad, which is why at the time I thought Taker lost because they called an audible. I didn't know that was officially what was supposed to happen. And Paul Heyman played it like beautifully with his facial expression. Correct. Oh my Correct. God. Paul he Heyman. did it. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. Paul Heyman made, made that WrestleMania 30 moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see the, the funny guy with the glasses in the crowd and, and yeah. all the people yeah. holding their face like, oh my God. The 21 and one sign came up and the crowd was bugging out. But, um, yeah. But yeah, that's why I didn't really blame Goldberg because. Taker did it too at one point. You know what I mean? So I Goldberg getting hurt. I mean, honestly, they probably shouldn't have put that match together to begin with, especially at this stage in their career, which is why Undertaker they they asked him about the sting match, even to this day, after the documentary. And Taker goes, finally, he's like, you know, as much as I would love that, and on paper, that's something everybody's been wanting for the past like twenty years, to do it now, it probably wouldn't be that good. I was like, some honesty. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You know, so to, just to go through the different incarnations of Undertaker, what what was probably your favorite incarnation? All right. I have two favorite Undertakers because the rest are pretty much, pretty much the like a hybrid of, of like his other, later yeah. Undertakers was yeah. a hybrid of all of them combined. Um, I'm gonna have to say Purple Undertaker when he wore the purple. Okay. And Ministry of Darkness oh, Undertaker. That was, that was yeah. And I, I'm gonna lean more towards the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker just for the sheer fact of that was the attitude ever ever Undertaker where dudes hanging guys up on a on a stone cold on a cross. Yep. And that pissed off a lot of people, especially my aunt. <laughs> who's a very religious Catholic woman. Yeah. She was not having it. My cousins had a good year stretch, two year stretch of not watching wrestling when, after that, unless they were at my house. <laughs> yeah, they were, if uh, if they weren't at my house, they probably weren't watching it yeah. or they would have to like find a way to smuggle it in. But yeah, <laughs> uh, that would be one. And just the whole, uh, whole ministry. That thing was just like, acting and wrestling at its finest yeah it's just like holy crap this is like a whole new level you know yeah the ministry the ministry came around and uh it, it was interesting because the way they built that up because taker was off tv for a little while and then all of a sudden you see like a returning mabel then you see midian and then you see uh the acolytes made their debut as a tag team together and I was like, okay, this is cool. Then all of a sudden, The Undertaker, one by one, comes out and takes them, like, kidnaps them, 
and then all of a sudden he yeah. brings them all out as this dark, like demonic team of misfits. Yeah, I mean, it was like, wow, this is pretty dope. And the that Undertaker character was so dark. And the thing is, it didn't last too long because no, it really did. It was about like a year. Yeah, you figure early '99, and by the end of '99, going into 2000, that's when he took on the biker gimmick. So it didn't last long at all. In that stretch, he did become WWE champion, defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, ironically, crazy enough, the same night that Owen Hart passed away, the same pay per view. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again when when the show is about to end. Um, Undertaker did never had a long title reign, never. Yeah, he, he but he didn't. He never had to. He that never needed it. Exactly. Other. He never needed it. He was one of those guys that the title didn't make him. You know what I mean? Like his own persona and his own ability, you know, made him the star that he was. He didn't need a belt, you know? So the 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 funny, the crazy thing is he got his first title win very, very early in his career. He got it one year after he debuted. Survivor Series, he beats Hulk Hogan for his first title reign. You know, with with some help from Paul Barra, and and obviously Paul Barra was a big deal um, in the Undertaker's career. Uh, you know, all the way until Paul Barra died, because he'll make sporadic appearances here and there. He was involved with Kane. You know, coming out as Kane's father later on down the road. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a part of it. So, uh, how did you? You were kind of scared of the Undertaker. How did you feel about Paul Bearer? He was just that, that creepy guy getting under my skin and like just <laughs> he just turned into like just what what is this guy? <laughs> and like you're just oh, like yes. all right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, my undertaker. Like, and uh, it took me about a year or my, I guess my first family death to figure out Paul Bearer was people that would carry the casket yep. to the thing. I was like, touche, WWF. Touche. <laughs> and I'm the taker and, and a Paul Bearer. <laughs> yeah, touche. No, but I obviously knew Undertaker was the Undertaker, so that was different. But, like, Paul Bearer, I'm like, oh, okay. Touche. Yep. So, but, um, yeah, I think he's Undertaker's jelly to his peanut butter. Like, he wouldn't have gotten one without the other, uh, with uh, the creatures of the night and yeah. the whole urn thing, getting his powers from the urn. Um, I think he wouldn't have the mystique of the Undertaker if it wasn't for Paul Bearer's storyline with him and just making the the whole aura of the Undertaker what it is when he got got cooking with Paul Bearer. Yeah, and the thing and then, is, you wouldn't have got that if you kept The Undertaker with Brother Love, which obviously, for those who heard the intro, <clears throat> excuse me, and and actually saw his debut, knew that his original manager wasn't Paul Bearer, it was Brother Love. And mm-hmm. Brother Love was kind of like that comedic, get-under-your-skin type character, but he wasn't a dark character. He wasn't something that would instill fear in you. And then... Maybe a couple weeks later, you know, Brother Love brings in Paul Bearer and hands him over the Undertaker to take care of him and all that stuff. So, uh, and obviously, Brother Love is Bruce Pritchard for a lot of people who, who 
can't see that. <laughs> but uh, Bruce Pritchard obviously went on to do like producing, and he's to this day he's producing in WWE. I think he took over for Monday Night Raw when Paul Heyman got pushed to the side. Um, but yeah, I mean, The Undertaker has had two managers. A lot of people will just know the one. Um, and 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 the big mystique always was what is in the urn. What is in that urn? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What is in that urn? And for the first time, we actually saw. Well, no, before that, because I think Taker had a casket match with uh, Yokozuna, and mm-hmm. um, Yokozuna had ten guys come out to the ring and help him beat up the Undertaker, and they actually hit him with the urn, and a bunch of like dirt and ash came out of it. But more uh, over the top is when Taker wrestled another Undertaker. At SummerSlam, <laughs> and they open, <laughs> and Paul Bear opens the urn, and a big flashing lights was coming out of it, and all that stuff, very dramatic and over the top. But um, yeah, Paul Bear and the urn was always a big part of the early uh, incarnation of the Undertaker. Um, but honestly, bro, I, a lot of people shit on it, but for those maybe one or two years, I kind of enjoyed the American Badass gimmick. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but it got stale. You know what I mean? Quick. That's like, the thing. Uh, a little known unknown fact, other than myself, because I'm the only one that cared and noticed doing it. I, when I played football in high school, I would wear two shirts under my jersey and shoulder pads. Yeah. And one of them was the Dead Man Ink shirt, uh, and the other one was the Rock. The Rock, uh, just bring it shirt. Yeah. So those yeah. would be my interchanging T-shirts. That is awesome. Depending on the week, and yeah, I did have a Dead Man Ink shirt. Um, like the gimmick was cool. It was cool seeing the Undertaker ride down with the um motorcycle and all that other stuff. Uh, but it wasn't the Undertaker. You know what I mean? He needed a break, but you know what I mean. It was. It was, it was cool. It was. I think that if you really look at the matches, I think those are his best matches as the dead man. Yeah. Cause he had, when he was the king of SmackDown basically, oh, yeah. and he, he had his matches with, uh, angle Brock, young Brock, um, Jeff Hardy, when he went on his, uh, solo run, um, Rey Mysterio, all that's when SmackDown was so much better than raw during the ruthless aggression era and it wasn't even close and that if you look at some of those matches those are some of undertaker's better matches as oh, we yeah. go into the 30-year timeline oh yeah and a lot of it's not the only because of him but it doesn't hurt oh he upped his game for sure in terms of wrestling uh ability because even from his early time he was always an agile the bruiser and he's gonna do his five moves even though he would do that one yeah. Agility move off the top rope and yeah. smack coming down at you. Yeah. He, he was but, always like, agile for his size. He was, I mean, of obviously course. strong, you know, and he had some speed and he would do a jumping clothesline from out of nowhere and stuff. He always had the ability. But like you said, during that time as American Badass and he had to work with all those workers on SmackDown because a lot of the big bruisers were on Raw. Besides Brock, mm-hmm. I mean, on Raw, you had Batista, and you had a bunch of, you had Kane, who he had wrestled previously in his career, and all these other, like, bigger guys. But on SmackDown, you had, like, the workers, like Edge and Angle and, and Jericho and a bunch of all these other guys, and Taker had good matches with them. And like you said, did 
some of those other guys probably carry it. Sure, but you know what? Taker had to hang, and he hung with them. You know, so he, oh yeah, for so sure, he definitely upped his game there in that part of his career as uh, in terms of in ring wrestling for sure. You know, better storytelling. You know, all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, is the American Badass giving my favorite? No, probably Ministry is up there, and um, and Early Taker is one of my favorite too. Because, like you said, the the Taker of now and of the past like ten years is just a hybrid of both of all his characters. And I was just like, eh, I could deal with with whatever. <laughs> with now, exactly. Like, eh. And 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 honestly, you know, should Taker have retired when the streak ended? No, I think he should have retired after the Roman Reigns match. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you on that. <laughs> because after that, you know, he took off his hat, he took off his cloak, he took off his gloves, and he left it in the ring. That should have been it. You know, coming back a year later to squash John Cena didn't make sense. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then the match against, uh, you know, who do you? Oh yeah, he had the match with AJ. Before that, I forgot what he did, but I got the list of all that stuff here. I got the list of the streak and the list of, according to Bleacher Report, his greatest twenty-five matches. But before we get into that, Dan, do you have any rivalries or feuds in your mind that you remember that were, you know, that impacted you? Well, all right, we can we can be here all night, yeah. but um. <laughs> Um, the obvious ones, I guess you could say Mankind slash McFoley. Yep. Those were great, especially when Paul Barra went with uh, Mankind for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, the, obviously the HBK Taker storylines were great as well. Uh, back in the day, the early DX, uh, when they were fighting for the title, when he cost him... Uh, the belt when he was a social guest to referee at the SummerSlam. We were talking about it yep. Continental Against in '96. But Hart. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. We obviously we have Kane. We can't forget about the Kane uh, storyline. But before we get into that, ACK they did they did have one of the first Hell in the Cells. Yes. At a, in a in your house, I watched that this week. That, so that was, was the, pretty cool. The first Hell in the Cell match and the debut of the Kane character. Correct. Um, see what else? Obviously, Kane. You wouldn't have Kane. Kane helped the Undertaker storyline grow for a bunch of years. That was yeah. one of the better storylines for a long time. Um, obviously, um, towards the end of things, he had the Triple H one, the uh, back-to-back WrestleManias. And the, the end of era, Triple, Triple H. H one is they had a better match at WrestleMania 17, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> when it was the American badass version of Taker against Triple H, uh, when Triple yeah. H was at his peak in two thousand one, two thousand two, that Triple H was like, you know, Brock Lesnar style. He was just un almost unstoppable at that point. He was roided to the gills. He was huge. He still had the long yeah. hair. He had the beard, and he was just, you know, at that point Triple H was was crazy. But then you fast forward to two thousand three, two thousand four. I guess he was off the juice, so he was chubby. He was wearing compression shorts. He shaved his beard, straightened his hair, looked totally weird, and he dominated Raw for three years. But I digress. Uh, that, <laughs> th- those were dark times for me. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few, and you can help me out with them. I'm, I'm trying to think what else other than those were 
Um, the couple, oh, Stone Cold during the ministry. Yeah. Obviously, we wouldn't be getting any place if we both say ministry taker was our favorite taker when we don't bring up him. Absolutely. Bringing Stone Cold basically like Jesus Christ and hanging him from a cross. And hanging, really the, hanging the big boss man from the hell in the cell on a noose. <laughs> oh yeah, we can't. Oof. Yeah, we can't forget that he actually hung <laughs> big boss man. That was scary. Um, Rest in peace, Ray then, Trailer. But uh, the the way you guys pulled that off was pretty crazy. <laughs> kid, kidnapping a young Stephanie McMahon was yep. pretty crazy too. Oh yeah. Um, just pretty much stuff like that from that era. I'm trying to think. Uh, the King Maple stuff that I remember early day Undertaker. Um, yeah, that's when like uh, Mabel and Yokozuna have broke the Undertaker's face because they kept letting, yeah, so they had to wear a face mask. Yeah, to wear the ghost like kind of ghost face mask on his face. Correct, <laughs> correct. That was one of my earlier days of remembering Undertaker for sure. And then just so to, what about what what about you? Okay, just to to take it back to a little bit earlier than that. He had a very short feud with the Ultimate Warrior that he ended up putting Warrior in a specialized casket that was like uh, filled with Ultimate Warrior logos. It looked pretty cool. Um, his early mm-hmm. matches with Hulk Hogan were pretty cool. Uh, obviously, he beat Hogan for the belt, and then a week later, they had a pay-per-view called Tuesday in Texas, and Taker suffered his first, I guess, pinfall loss because Taker didn't take many pins back then. Um, Hogan hit him with like some powder in the eyes and blinded him and just rolled him up for a quick pin. Um, and got the belt back because I didn't think they had much faith, I guess, in, in a young Undertaker with the WWF title back then um, to generate revenue and stuff like that. So uh, they, they had to put it on the big cash cow, which was Hulk Hogan. Um, then, like I said, he had a very small feud with Jake Roberts, uh, you know, who was terrorizing Macho Man Randy Savage and his wife Elizabeth. He actually left a snake inside of their uh, honeymoon present box, which was pretty hilarious. Um, I remember that. <laughs> um, and then going down the road, Taker against Yokozuna was a big feud. Um, then later on in his career, uh, like you said, Taker and Kane. You, you mentioned a lot of the famous ones, so I'm going to go further than that. Um, maybe Taker and Edge had a lot of great matches in the mid to late 2000s. Um, Taker and Kane, obviously, you know, with the Inferno match. And then they had a secondary feud after Taker was buried alive as the American badass by Vince McMahon and Kane, um, he came back to WrestleMania in, I want to say, Madison Square Garden as the dead man with Paul Bearer to go against an unmasked Kane. And Kane was pretending he wasn't real, like he was a figment of his imagination. No, we buried you alive. And he was all covering his face. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, as Taker got older, he didn't really have many feuds. He just had a bunch of, like, random spots yeah random appearances and stuff like that um but yeah man i mean he had a lot of great feuds in the different eras of his career which you know which helps with longevity man because if you run out of things to do oh and obviously he had that feud with brock lesnar in the early to mid 2000s they had a hell in the cell match they had a bunch of like hardcore matches and stuff there was one point where the undertaker was actually the hardcore champion which shows you how (laughs) how much he wanted to work I guess with random people, like he had a mini feud with Rob Van Dam. They had some decent hardcore matches in 2002. Um, when he first turned like heel as American Badass, he actually was all on this rampage of people not respecting him. 
And if he sees some sort of injustice and disrespect toward others, he's going to do something about it. So there was a segment where he took Jim Ross's head and he made him kiss Vince McMahon's ass. That was uh, <laughs> back when Vince was letting down his pants on live TV every week for guys to put their faces yeah. in his ass crack. That 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 was Memories. a fun dark time in wrestling too. Um, <laughs> but um, I saw more of Vince McMahon's ass that I've wanted to see. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, man, like like you said, you mentioned a lot of great ones, and um, you know, I'm not gonna count mini feuds, you know, like the recent ones with AJ and other stuff, because those were just lead ups to one match. It didn't really lead to. Oh yeah, for sure. It didn't lead to nothing. Um, you know, no, major. no was a no was a good one, even though it was the lead up was uh the CM Punk lead up to WrestleMania oh, twenty nine. That was great. And we went to that mania. That, we were just in different spots, we, but we went to that mania. Yeah, yeah. Um we were both at it. And and I I hate saying it because it was unfortunate timing that Paul Bearer's death didn't yeah. become the major focal point of the storyline. Yeah. But that part of, but that made the storyline a hundred times better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately he had to die for it to be better. But um, that was one of the better. That was one of the better uh, storylines going to WrestleMania recent, recent Undertaker, and it feels it was a long time ago. It was yeah, WrestleMania man. 36 this year, so yeah, it's crazy to feel that was that long ago. Yeah, that was what, seven. I say seven. Yeah, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And that and and the crazy part of that. Remember that that night when Punk had attacked Taker. While Taker was like doing the whole kneeling in the hand thing to Paul Bearer's picture, yeah, and then he hit him with yeah. the urn and opened the urn and threw all the ashes on him. That was sick, man. That was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was it was perfect, perfect punk. It was right before Punk lost it. Yeah, that was right lost before the he, faith lo- with he lost the love for wrestling and decided to go bye bye and get beat up for real. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, man. So. With, with that, we're going to get into one of the two lists that I have here. And we could, once again, we could uh, talk about it and agree or disagree with some of the stuff that they wrote down. But before we get into Bleacher Report's 25 Best Undertaker matches, I'm going to just go real quick down the line of the streak. The first, I guess, 20 matches that Taker had that he won before running into the beast Brock Lesnar. So... His first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 7 in 1991, and he defeated Jimmy Superfly Snuka um, in four minutes and 20 seconds. Um, yeah, ah, Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mentioned the WrestleMania 8 match with Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, I think, Dan, this is one of your personal favorites. At WrestleMania 3, he defeated the Giant Gonzalez in seven minutes and 30 oh, seconds. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. Yes. How can I forget? How can I forget that awfulness? Um <laughs> Wasn't that a DQ too? That was a disqualification because the Giant Gonzalez put like formaldehyde on a cloth and put him to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's oh, go. Man. Next. WrestleMania nine was probably one of the worst, or if, if not the worst manias of all time. Um, <laughs> WrestleMania 10 and 95, he defeated King Kong Bundy in six minutes and 36 seconds. Um, so far in the first four matches of his WrestleMania career, they all been short and sweet. Um, mm-hmm. let's see, WrestleMania 12 in 1996, he defeated Big Daddy Cool Diesel in 16 minutes and 46 seconds. That was a decent match. That was pretty good. That yeah. Was right that was before good Kevin Nash and Scott Hall went to WCW a little bit right after that. 
Um, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 13, 1997, he defeats Psycho Sid for the WWF Championship in 21 minutes and 19 seconds. While well, 21 minutes of Taker and Sid. Uh, interesting. <laughs> um, WrestleMania 14, first match against Kane. 16 minutes and 58 seconds. That was a good match. It started off with Pete Rose getting tombstoned, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened in Boston after he came out and uh, called out Bill Buckner. He sent them tickets, but he couldn't pick them up. Yeah, um, I remember that. <laughs> um, WrestleMania 15, because he skipped 14. WrestleMania 15, he uh, beat the big boss man in a Hell in a Cell match and then hung him, which is... <laughs> WrestleMania 17, <laughs> WrestleMania 17, he defeats Triple H. 18 minutes and 17 seconds. That was a great match. WrestleMania 18 defeats the Nature Boy Ric Flair in a no disqualification match. 18 minutes and 47 seconds. So you can see like that timeline of American Badass, like we had mentioned before, between the Kane match and the Ric Flair match, those matches are going 19, 20 minutes each. Correct. When before, he was going a good six or seven minutes. Um... Then WrestleMania 19, which was pretty bad. He defeated the Big Show and the A-Train in a handicap match in 9 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, Oh, boy. WrestleMania uh, in Madison Square Garden, 2004, he defeated Kane, which is his second match with Kane. WrestleMania 21, he defeated a very young legend killer, Randy Orton, in 14 minutes. In WrestleMania 22, he defeated Mark Henry in a casket match. For the, oh no, that wasn't for the title. That was April 2007, WrestleMania 23, he defeated Batista in 15 minutes and 47 seconds for the World Heavyweight Championship. WrestleMania 24, he defeated Edge by submission. Oh, yeah, because Undertaker's known for that Hell's Gate. Uh, at the Citrus Bowl for the World Heavyweight title, 24 minutes. Then here comes the series of really good matches. Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, 30 minutes against Shawn Michaels. Then Shawn Michaels again, 23 minutes, 59 seconds. Triple H to 30 minutes, one by submission in a no-holds-barred match. Then he defeated Triple H in a Hell in a Cell with special guest referee Shawn Michaels, which I didn't really care for that match too much, but whatever. It was so over mm-hmm. the top. Then <clears throat> the CM Punk match. That was where he hit 21 and 0 and then he landed in front of Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 and lost. And then from there, you know, he beats, I think he beats Bray Wyatt. Then after that, he loses to Roman Reigns. Then I want to say it's the AJ Styles match. So those are all takers matches. I believe he went a whopping 23 and two at WrestleMania, which is still unbelievable. Um, so uh, of of all those matches, what was probably and you probably mentioned it already, your favorite mania match of the Undertaker? Uh, it would have to be the two short HBK mania matches. Yeah, um, especially the uh, end of a career one for HBK um, when it was the, the evil Undertaker and the born again Christian uh, HBK <laughs> yep. being in white. Um, there's always the, the funny gif of The Undertaker looking so disheveled and beat. It's like, what do I have to do to to end this match kind of yeah. thing? 
That was always a good one. It was always um, like a roller coaster. Like, is he finally going to get pinned? Is he going to lose? Oh, he kicks out at like with a millisecond left or or something like that. It was always like edge of your seat yeah. type stuff with Undertaker matches for sure. Especially Those were, have to be my two favorite. And since I was there, the CM Punk match. CM Punk would, match was good. Yes, I agree with that. That was a very good one. Um, the edge one was good when he beat him for the title. Uh just because of how where Edge was at that time, mm. rated our superstars, so it was a good one. I thought. Um, yeah, so. well, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you. With uh, I thought one of the I think the first Michaels match was better than the second one um, because it was just constant back and forth. It was a great match. The CM Punk match was good. Um, I'll go further down the line just to be different. Um, I'll pick the the match he had with Kevin Nash. That was pretty good. The match he had with Jake Roberts was pretty good. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people didn't really start mentioning the streak until he beat Ric Flair. Because when he beat Ric Flair, Undertaker gets out of the ring and he's counting on his hands and he does the 10. So at that point, he's 10-0 and 0 when he beats Ric Flair. So from then on, it became about the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Until then, he, Correct. They could have easily made him lose a match or two, and this streak would have never been anything. You know what I mean? But once, oh, yeah. But once it he did could that, have easily went here and there, and they just fell into it, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. and it became the, the storyline every single year of Mania time. Who's going to stop the streak? You know, It's not like Undertaker was undefeated anywhere else because he's lost plenty of matches You know, on pay-per-views and regular cards and stuff like that. It's just when that time came, when that Mania clock hit, you know, the, uh, the, who's, who's going to be the one to stop him. You know what I mean? And the only reason why I would say the Brock match, I would put up there as, as not good because it wasn't a good match, but up there because of the, the, the overall shock value of. Yeah. Of I, 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 I guess I, I agree with you with the whole shock value, mm-hmm. but just for the pure comment, the sense of it, cause we were at that raw when it started. Yes. Yes. And we were at that the first Raw when they, they broke, broke that storyline out. So with that, so it was pretty cool to be there for that as well. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that would be good. Cool for different reasons because that was the first loss and everybody was just in utter shock of it. Yeah, so. and I thought the loss to Reigns, at, at the time, I thought the loss to Reigns would kind of take take the steam away from the Lesnar win, but that was such a bad match. I think it was even worse than the Lesnar match, and he actually spoke about it on the documentary because we're going to close out with the documentary. And um, he was like, this match was so bad. Like, I wasn't there. My timing was off. I was out of shape. Like, he was just naming everything. Like, if you look at the Brock match, Taker was in great shape for the Brock match. It's just he he got hurt. You know what I mean? But But he was there. You know, the Reigns match, I just think he was just phoning it in because he knew he was done. At least at the moment, he knew he was done. Um, but, yeah, I agree. And 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 obviously, the match he had with Triple H at WrestleMania 17 was was an awesome match. Um, uh, it's definitely one taker match. I would, I would... That mania in total was just a good mania, bro. From, from taker, versus, uh, taker versus Triple H, Austin versus Rock... Um, uh, two very, very good co and, and, and main events. And it led into a feud when, when Austin and Triple H became the two man power trip 
and they feuded with Undertaker and Kane. It was just, it was great. Um, and The Rock went away for a while to do some movies and stuff. Um, but yeah, Taker's had a lot of good matches at Mania. Honestly, though, and 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 like you said, I don't want to shit on Taker, but if you look at this whole list of matches, I can name yeah. a lot, I can name a lot more garbage matches than I can good ones. You know? Unfortunately, but it, yeah, but I think that was the time and error with how wrestling was. To be absolutely, fair, absolutely, and they were going big guy versus big guy, and no one could really move like the Undertaker, and to that extent, Kane or Diesel. Yeah, to so to be fair with that. And I don't mind the I didn't mind the the bra, uh, the Bray the Bray Wyatt one either. Yeah, that wasn't the, bad. the redemption one wasn't bad either because it was like all right the old crazy guy like the phenom versus the new age like makes everybody uncomfortable type of thing. Yeah, so like it was like a, it was like a, like an old to like the the mankind feud yeah, he had. Yeah, and the crazy thing about Bray, I just feel like he is a victim of his own greatness because for some reason he is so good in terms of a package. He can, he can wrestle, Mm -hmm. he can work, he can talk. He cuts a crazy promo. He has a crazy character. So he did so good. Let's put him up against the original. You know, he's going to take an L. (laughs) He's not going to beat the Undertaker. You know what I mean? Like, and then later on, let's put him in a match. He's white hot right now. Let's put him in a mania match with John Cena. You know he's gonna take a L. You know what I mean? Like when are when is Bray Wyatt gonna get his due in terms of being the man? They finally did it with the Fiend, but even then he mm-hmm. just like the Undertaker, he didn't have a long title reign either. He immediately yeah. lost it to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. I swear they shouldn't. I mean, I know Saudi Arabia gives them a lot of money, and and the Saudi prince is all for nostalgia. But damn, bro. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe he'll get it back in this feud with Braun, but uh, that's talk about that another day. Um <laughs> so with Yeah, let's 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 talk about the the show. let's talk about the uh last ride. Yeah. Well, before that real quick, I got the the the, oh, the, the list of the 25 greatest matches. So, this is according to Bleacher Report and um number 25 they have Undertaker versus Undertaker. Well, Widely known okay. as Underfaker from SummerSlam 94. Underfaker, okay. <laughs> this is when Ted DiBiase brought his imposter Undertaker out and they had a match. And number 24 is Undertaker versus Big Daddy Cool Diesel, WrestleMania 12. Mm-hmm. Number 23, his debut at Survivor Series. Um, number 22, Undertaker versus Kane from Unforgiven, which was the Inferno match, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Undertaker versus Mankind, Buried Alive, 1996. Undertaker versus Kurt Angle versus The Rock in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship in 2002. Undertaker versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. Undertaker versus Kane, WrestleMania 20. Number 17, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar at No Mercy 2002, which was a Hell in a Cell match. Great match. Undertaker versus Edge at, at SummerSlam 2008, um, which is where Undertaker, it was a ladder match, I believe, and Undertaker chokeslammed Edge through the ring. Um, Undertaker mm-hmm. versus Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship Survivor Series 91. Undertaker versus Edge at One Night Stand 2008. What a name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Undertaker versus Ric Flair, WrestleMania 18. Number 12, Undertaker versus Triple H, WrestleMania 17. Number 11, Undertaker versus Bret Hart, SummerSlam 97 for the WWE title. Number 10, Undertaker wins the Royal Rumble in 2007. 
Number nine, Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, No Way Out, 2006. Number eight, Undertaker versus Batista, WrestleMania 23. Seven, WrestleMania, uh, Undertaker versus Triple H, WrestleMania 27. Number six, Undertaker versus Edge, WrestleMania 24. Number five, Mankind, King of the Ring, 98, In the Hell in the Cell, which was unbelievable. Probably. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm shocked we haven't brought that match up. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it, it's it. Mick Foley says it's the match that made him, and I think he said that in the in the in the documentary. It's it's the match that made him a household name. It's the match that made him famous. Um, and Mick Foley's been around for years before that as Cactus Jack and wrestling in Japan and WCW and all that stuff. But just him taking that could have gone wrong on so many levels, bro. When he just tossed him from the top of the cage through the announcement. Yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> it was funny because we were talking about the HPK match, um, the first one. And, like, he threw him off the cage, but it was nowhere near the no. extreme of the other one, of the mankind. Not yeah. only did he throw him off the top of the cage, he also choked him through the cage. Yep. And he and- landed hard with the chair coming down <laughs> with him. <laughs> yeah, and that was the that was well, the match when he had the, the tooth in his nose too. Yeah, the tooth popped um, out through his nose. Yep, damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was damn mankind, man. Like it's amazing he's still alive. Yo, with the with um, the with the bumps that he took throughout his life. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's gonna have like serious dementia in a couple of years, unfortunately. Some some crazy like. God bless them. Here's another funny, here's another funny thing about that match that a lot of people probably won't remember or mention is when uh, when he choke slammed mankind through the top of the cell and he fell down. Terry Funk comes into the ring to check on Mick and Taker grabs old Terry Funk, sixty year old Funk, and he choke slams him and his sneakers fall off. Yeah, when he fell. yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and the craziest thing about the Hell in a Cell is the cell magically. Some way, somehow, kept both of them standing up, and how the Undertaker didn't fall through it either—it was an amazing thing to it as yeah. well. Yeah, and 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 it's on Netflix now, but it's a very famous documentary that they did back in I want to say '99 or 2000. It's called Beyond the Mat, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Mick Foley's wife was saying you could see the cage breaking under them. Mankind was 300 pounds back then, and Taker was about 330 back then. So for the mere fact, like you said, that chain link that was breaking under them it held them for the most part. That's until he just dumped Mick right on it and he fell right through. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah. a match for the, the you know, I, I call them millennials, even though I'm technically one myself. Of all you younger yeah. millennials out there who are wrestling fans, uh, King of the Ring 98, go check it out on the WWE Network. Um Undertaker versus Kane, WrestleMania 14 was number four. Number three was Undertaker versus HBK, WrestleMania 26. Undertaker versus HBK, In Your House, Bad Blood was number two. I got to check that out again, (laughs) considering they have that at number two. And, of course, the first encounter at a WrestleMania for Undertaker and HBK, WrestleMania 25 is number one. I'm surprised the CM Punk match wasn't on this list, but, you know, hey. That yeah, that that match doesn't get enough love because not enough people like CM Punk anymore because of the way he left. Yeah, so I'm sure that I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. So I'm wondering now that that Fox show got canceled. If uh, if Punk is seriously just done, I wonder if that was a Fox deal or a WWE deal. I gotta look into that. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because if that was just a Fox deal, I'm sure Punk is just going to go right back into obscurity doing nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so, yeah, so to close off, let's get into the, the docuseries, The Last Ride. Now, obviously, this uh, chronologically went from, I guess it did it i mean it started with the reigns match or did it go from the lesnar match i forget how it started well uh, well it was more of the reigns match it was more of the range match because it was like just the redemption story of like how bad that match really was yeah and how bad he felt bad for roman and like how am i gonna get back and redeem myself and the hip surgeries and everything else like that. But they did allude, allude to the Brock Lesnar stuff and all that other crazy stuff that led into what happened. But it was mostly the Roman Reigns and it led up to him returning and working out and being in better shape. For yeah, and, and the thing is, I, I was one of those guys that was like frustrated whenever mania time like you mentioned before whenever mania will come around and somebody's in the ring and all of a sudden you hear the dong you hear the gong and it's like oh here we go yeah yeah but but i didn't didn't realize and i understand ring rust i do but i didn't realize how much he had to put into just for the one match And, and exactly that that's where he gained my respect and i obviously knew he would do that yeah but it was just so frustrating that like what are you doing to your legacy and like why are you doing you're the last person that needs to be doing this kind of thing you know exactly exactly and i didn't think at the time obviously because we don't know the man personally but um i didn't think that in his head he's the one in his mind that needed to prove something he's the one that was like oh that last match sucked now i have to do all this work because i can't go out like that you know what i mean so you know, but he, that was the problem with that, with this thing, this uh, special, not yeah. problem, but this was the thing. Like he would have for every one good match, have he would have three ones. shitty ones. <laughs> he would have three bad ones, and then he would like, oh, maybe I could still do this. And like, and then he would have another couple, and then he would be upset about it, and then find a way to prevail. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, come on, take. Yeah. Kind would, of thing. You would think after having that one good match, he'd be like, "All right, I redeemed myself. I'm good." But then, like you said, Vince will give him that phone call. Hey, pal, uh, you want to go to Saudi? Okay. All right, fine. I'll do one match for Saudi. Then that match will be a train wreck, and he's like, "I have to redeem myself again." It should have been called Undertaker. Redeem yourself. Like that's what this. Thing oh been yeah. <laughs> For sure, but it was it was nicely done because yeah, we obviously absolutely. never saw the under, we we never saw the Undertaker not kayfabe yeah. uh, for thirty years. So it and him with it uh, humanizes him. Yeah, Michelle McCool did a good job with this as well. It it was it was nicely done. It but unfortunately with the Undertaker the last couple of years would be like we mentioned one bad ma- uh three bad matches, one good match, and. And that's what hurt me to see. Like the dude couldn't walk down the ring. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like he couldn't move anymore. Like as hard as he tried. What reminded me of like, all right, this is a good analogy, which I haven't used on, and I didn't tell you yet. 
Because I've been watching like MSG. I know you're not in New York anymore, so you don't get MSG anymore. But MSG, since there's no sports during the quarantine, I've been playing old school Nick games, old school Ranger games, yada, 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 all the other teams that's on MSG. And they had a Nick game from 99 with Patrick Ewing, barely able to run up and down the court, Yeah, basically. And then that's what really reminded me of like how slow – the Undertaker has become the last couple of years of like watching Patrick Ewing painfully run up and down the court like like he was out of done with it. You know what I mean? Like it was like, all right, we, we know this is not the prime Undertaker. We can only have so many matches left with the Undertaker. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. And they ended it with the fourth episode perfectly and they looked out well I can't really say lucked out because the pandemic is the pandemic. And unfortunately, a lot of lives were lost. And good job out of you or uh, your state of Florida with the 500% spike um, the other today. Yeah. Um, congratulations on that. Yeah, um, we're, we're, we're the picture of it now, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like, I think they lucked out with the sort of, a pandemic that they were able to make it like a cinema match with AJ Styles yes. and they were able to make it into a movie. At first I shitted on the idea but as you saw the work went through everything like that and everything it is a better quote unquote match and storyline and fight. And the funny and thing it, about that It, it has that to be passed, the best way for him to act. The funny thing about that mania that just passed was the two movie style matches with two part-timers. Yeah. Were the two best ones. Like, the, the, the Wyatt Cena match was like an acid trip on a Freddy Krueger movie, and, and the Taker mm-hmm. one was just one badass old guy fighting off, you know, three younger, hungry competitors that wants to get rid of him, and AJ Styles and the recently let go Gallows and Anderson. Um, it, like you said, it was very well done, and, and looking at it, I didn't think... It was perfectly done because even if Taker had a bad step here or looked a little different or off there, you could edit that out. That's why, <laughs> and just do it again and have him, you know, whatever. So it was, it was really well done, and 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 I can take a Taker match if it's like that once a year. I can honestly, you know, if it's something like that where it's like, oh want to mess with me or whatever i'll meet you in the boneyard it's like okay i'll take a boneyard match you know once in a while uh no no i'm, I'm gonna disagree <laughs> with you on that man i think one i think we're good with one i i think we're good with one. I'll, I'll be i'll be honest with you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i, I think if, we're if, I'm, if, if that's the end i'll take it happily don't get me wrong because i've wanted him to be done since the reigns match you know what i mean but if they're gonna do something yeah. with him I would rather him not be in the ring. Like if it's going to be yeah, a street no, fight I, I agree. or, I agree. or a, a, definitely a gimmick match, a street fight, a cage, any anything that doesn't have to do with actual in-ring ability in terms of having to run around that ring and do high-risk moves or anything like that. Of course. You know of I mean? course. And he's he's closer to 50 than 40. Yeah. A uh, 60 to 40. So let's let's slow it down a bit now. We 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 get it. We know who you are. Yeah. Go go enjoy your life with uh, Michelle Listen, McCool on your ranch. A young, Shoot some a young, beautiful go hunting, go kids. fishing. Exactly. 
Exactly. Go enjoy your kids that you you claim you enjoy doing, which you obviously do. But like, he needs to go block enjoy Vince that, man. McMahon's phone number. That's what he needs to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just just block his number and and be and be done with. Whenever it. you see hey, that you, call from Vince, just hit decline. <laughs> show up at show up at WrestleMania, like be in the backstage or whatever. Just you don't need to wrestle anymore. You know. Here's a question for you. Who inducts the Undertaker into the Hall of Fame? Um, since Paul Bearer is obviously no longer with us, rest in peace. I think it's going to be Kane. Yeah, I would say that too. A lot of people were saying because of the documentary how close he is to Vince that Vince should do it. Um, I wouldn't mind that either because he's obviously Vince's creation. The Undertaker is yeah. Vince's creation, um, and he's been his most loyal because. During that time in the in the Monday Night Wars with WCW, even Shawn yeah. Michael, even Shawn Michaels at one point was like, "I want to go with my friends in WCW," but the Undertaker yeah. never left. And there was a time that supposedly, supposedly, that Taker in two thousand one or two thousand or something like that, that his contract expired, and that there was talks of him going to WCW. As that American badass type gimmick, but obviously you can't use the name The Undertaker. So, can you imagine if in 2000 or 2001 he walks onto WCW as like mean Mark Calloway on a bike coming down the ramp? Like, I don't think obviously WCW was a big cluster, they probably wouldn't have known what to do with someone like The Undertaker. Um, mm-hmm. but how times would have changed and how things would have been would have went on. If he would have went to WCW, that would have been crazy. <laughs> Who knows if WCW would have probably remained in, in business with someone like the undertaker going over there. No, they would have found like, we, we, like I mentioned last podcast, we, we really need to like dissect on how poor the WCW, how WCW. Failed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they probably would have still found the way to tank. Even with <laughs> yeah, Undertaker would have been the ninetieth member of the NWO, and then he would have like done nothing after that. <laughs> yeah, some, something stupid. But yeah, man. I mean, thirty years is a long time, and and I'm sure we could go on for another few hours. But uh, you know, we're, we're probably close to closing closing this down. And um, you know, any final thoughts or memories from the from the documentary? Um, just, it was the whole documentary of like seeing him getting his hip replaced, him reworking out and getting himself ready to go and just being, seeing the Undertaker in a light you never saw in 30 years. That's what I took away from it. It was cool seeing him as Mark Calloway, not just the phenom and the Undertaker and the, the, uh, bigger than life person that you see in the ring all these years yeah and uh, he has a personality um, he's a funny guy like he has a yeah personality. yeah and we obviously <laughs> never knew that um so and like and that was the thing you always heard in the store backstories of oh the undertaker is the locker room he's basically the captain of the team you know what i mean yeah it all leads it leads and ends with the undertaker's approval so it's cool seeing that in light and like the younger people wrestlers showing him going into NXT and wrestling with certain player, uh, the bigger wrestlers and 
how to be a big wrestler kind of thing. That was pretty cool towards the end of it. Yeah. It was it was just really cool on how all the everybody gravitated for him. Yeah. He he's basically the king of the castle, you know what I mean? Oh, he's definitely, he, he's, he's, he's that man. he's like the top he's like the Tom Brady of the WWE. Yeah. He he is that ends and begins with him. And it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're the third string quarterback or Rob Gronkowski, he's going to treat you the same way. Oh yeah. And he, they, they used to have a thing called wrestling court. Like if uh, any wrestlers had beef with each other or, or somebody did something crazy and they would, they would take it to wrestling court and undertaker was the judge. <laughs> he was the man. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, it was so cool to see him outside of the wrestling element just being himself, being with family, and uh, just what he had to do to get back in shape just for one match is uh, pretty incredible for someone not only his age, but his size. He's a big freaking guy. 6'9", 6'10", over 300 pounds, trying to, you know, and and like Kevin Nash said in an interview, like he's surprised that, that Kevin Nash is still walking around. He was like, you don't see giants our size just walking around like that. Not a lot of us are out there. You know what I mean? Correct. You know? Correct. <laughs> so for, for guys, his size and, and Kane too is another one. He's another monster. Um, um, happens to be the, the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, these are giant men, you know, doing these moves on their body for 20, 30 years. And, you know, it definitely takes a toll. And for him to just be living comfortably is a, is a big, it's a big thing, you know what I mean? So hopefully he uh, he keeps his word on this, and this is the end. Um, and, and It was a remarkable career. I'm sure he has a job for life in that company. He's just he's going to be somewhat up there with Triple H, I assume, you know, in terms of power. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely in the top tier of WWF, WWE wrestlers of all time. Oh, and there's yeah. no debating it. No. He's in the rush. He's in on the Mount Rushmore of the top tier. There's, yeah. there's no question. And like about I said, it. he's definitely the best of all time in terms of WWE created characters. Because a lot of guys, you know, uh, well, you, some people might say, you know, like Steve Austin, but that Steve Austin, the Stone Cold character, was born in WWE, but he, that was, that was him being him. You know what I mean, he had yeah. that in him that whole time. Um, uh, you know, but WWE created that gimmick, and you know, Mark Calloway just went with it and took it. And ran with the ball, um, but in terms of WWE created characters, Taker's definitely the top. Um, so it was a remarkable career. You noticed in the documentary, he kept saying "never say never say never," which is always scary. Um, but <laughs> but um, if this is the end, the match with AJ Styles, then that's a great way to go out. Um, of course, you know. So yo, Dan, once again, bro, another great one. Thank you for coming on, brother. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Yes, sir. As always, you always the door's always op- open, bro. Um, Thanks um, again for having me. Yes, sir. And uh, I will be back for the the episode fifty, a big one. Episode fifty. This was a big one too, but uh, I finally hit that elusive five zero. And um, yeah, I will be back to talk the updated news in the world of professional wrestling. Once again, thanks with Dan for coming on, and I'll be back next time. Peace. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling.
the SND Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now.